perched high atop a windy bluff along Oregon's central coast is an unassuming yet striking lighthouse. It's believed to be the oldest structure in Newport, a coastal town that boasts idyllic beaches for spotting whales and exploring tide pools. The Yaquina Bay Lighthouse is unlike others that tower over their coastal points. It's understated, simply a white house with burnt orange shutters and a light at the top. It's the only wooden lighthouse in Oregon still standing. It oversees a section of coastline where the Yaquina River meets the Pacific Ocean. Inside, two flights of stairs lead to a watch room with a view so stunning it's attracted visitors from all over the world. The lighthouse's history is so rich, the structure has developed a sort of cult following, and its lore has given birth to an infamous ghost story that perhaps spared the lighthouse from demolition. Yaquina Bay Lighthouse is actually the only lighthouse or historic structure that I am aware of in Oregon that's ever been saved from the wrecking ball by a non-existent ghost. But some say there's nothing non-existent about the ghost. They believe the lighthouse is most certainly haunted. I'm Ashley Korsland, and this is Wicked West. Episode 5, The Haunted Lighthouse. So I love this story, um, the Bay Lighthouse Ghost. Yes. So do you recall where you first heard of this one? I do, actually. Finn John remembers vividly the first time he heard the story about the Yaquina Bay Lighthouse Ghost. I was 12 years old, I think, and I was eating in a restaurant in Newport that had the story printed on its placemats. But they were representing it as a true story, like this is the story of the ghost of the lighthouse. It was about a young girl who met her doom inside that 19th century lighthouse more than a hundred years ago. As the tale went, the only clues left behind were the girl's handkerchief and a pool of blood. Yeah, well, I thought it was cool, and I wanted to go see the bloodstains. Perhaps it was reading that very story on the menu as a child that inspired Finn's interest in the macabre and unusual. And I am a uh, author and pop historian. He teaches new media communications at Oregon State University. Well, my office is in the dungeon. We like to call this the new media communications dungeon. His office is full of horror fiction novels from writers like H.P. Lovecraft and contains an impressive collection of pulp magazines on display for all to admire. So there are no windows anywhere, so I have to do something with it. Um, Mostly it's, it's decorated with either Oregon history stuff or there's lots of, like, pulp fiction things. Finn's been teaching at OSU since 2010. So you mentioned it's, that's your day job. What's your other job? But he also dabbles in podcasting and blogging. Well, by night and on the weekends with my um, superhero mask on and all that kind of stuff, I uh, run um, Offbeat Oregon History, which is a... Um, public history resource, basically, uh, around Oregon. I've been doing that for about 10 years, maybe 12. Offbeat Oregon encompasses some 600 stories of dark and bizarre history in the state. Everything from starvation cults to Wild West bank robberies. 
Yeah, what's your favorite thing to write about? Well, um, my favorite thing is stories that I think history got wrong, the conventional wisdom on is wrong. One of his more popular blog entries is about the Yaquina Bay Lighthouse, the story he first heard about as a child. He titled his article, Historic Lighthouse Saved by a Non-Existent Ghost. It goes on to say, It's the only lighthouse I know of, in Oregon or elsewhere, that was saved from the wrecking ball by a non-existent ghost. At least, I think she was non-existent. And this is a story that is, you know, things aren't always as they seem. Yeah. Constructed in Newport, Oregon in 1871, the Yaquina Bay Lighthouse aided ships that were helping to make Newport one of the most vibrant port cities in the region. The lighthouse was simple in its design, yet served a necessary purpose. It's, it's a house with a little light tower in the roof. I mean, it's, it's the only wooden lighthouse in the state, I believe. Um, and it's certainly the only lighthouse that's built like that with the lighthouse keeper. Basically, the lighthouse keeper just went upstairs to deal with the light. Um, it just, just, it's just a house and then a little tower just popping up out of the top of it. And it's in a weird place. It's like parked down close by the bay. Um, it was only a working lighthouse for three short years before marine officials had it decommissioned in 1874. They had determined a nearby basalt headland served as a better location for a lighthouse. With that, crews commissioned a new one, the Yaquina Head Lighthouse, complete with a majestic 93-foot-tall tower. The Yaquina Bay Lighthouse then became obsolete. That is, until some 20 years later, when a magazine article would bring it new life. So the, the story was published in 1899, um, in Pacific Monthly magazine, and it was represented as fiction. It was authored by magazine editor Lishan Miller, the sister-in-law of Joaquin Miller, a famed American poet and frontiersman. She's a magnificent writer. She is really, really good. You know, she, she was one of the literary leading lights of, of Oregon at that time. Pacific Monthly, by the way, was one of the two magazines that merged into Sunset. Lishan's story was titled The Haunted Light at Newport by the Sea. Just three and a half pages long, it told a ghostly tale about a young girl's disappearance at the Yaquina Bay Lighthouse. It's a wonderful story. It's really well built. Um, I, could, I have actually a copy of it right here. It begins with an illustrative description of the abandoned structure. And the... Um, the introduction to it is just, is just solid gold. Here's Finn reading the first paragraph. Situated at Yaquina on the coast of Oregon is an old deserted lighthouse. It stands upon a promontory that juts out dividing the bay from the ocean and is exposed to every wind that blows. Its weather-beaten walls are wrapped in mystery. Of an afternoon when the fog comes drifting in from the sea and completely envelops the lighthouse and then stops in its course as if its object had been attained, it is the loneliest place in the world. At such times, those who chance to be in the vicinity hear a moaning sound, like the cries of one in pain, and sometimes a frenzied call for help pierces the death-like stillness of the waning day. 
Far out at sea, ships passing in the night are often guided in their course by a light that gleams from the lantern tower where no lamp is ever trimmed. Three asterisks, and then we start in on the story. It's, it's really good stuff. What does that um, illustrate for you, that paragraph? Atmosphere. So much atmosphere. And also the, the unspoken hint of the sinister, that the fog is coming in and then stopping. It's like, aha, here we are. We're at this house. This is Fog House. The story is set sometime after 1874, the year the lighthouse was decommissioned. It revolves around a mysterious young girl named Muriel Trevenard, who arrived in Newport by ship, along with her seafaring father. Um, and a ship came into the port, and um, a tall, dark, aristocratic gentleman came off the ship and said, um, I have to go away for a little while. He expressed concerns that Muriel was not cut out for the rough seas and asked a local couple at a boarding house if they could look after Muriel for a while. I'll be back in three weeks, but my daughter is not having a good time on the ship. She's seasick. You know, can I leave her here? The couple said yes, as they had a spare room available. After unloading her luggage, Muriel's father bid her an affectionate goodbye and sailed away as the sun set. In the days that followed, Muriel became acquainted with her new temporary home. Here's a passage from The Haunted Light. Muriel, that was the name she gave, Muriel Trevenard, was a delicate-looking, fair-haired girl, still in her teens, very sweet and sunny-tempered. She seemed to take kindly to her new environment accepting its rude inconveniences as a matter of course, though all of her own belongings testified to the fact that she was accustomed to the refinements and even luxuries of civilization. She spent many hours each day idling with a sketch block and pencil in that grassy hollow in the hill, seaward from the town, or strolled upon the beach or over the windswept uplands. As the story unfolds, days passed, then weeks, and still, Muriel's father didn't return. You have no cause to worry, said the landlady. Your father's safe enough. Oh, I am not anxious, replied Muriel. Not in the least. Before long, Muriel met a group of tourists who were camping on the beach. Light-hearted entertainment and an easy way to pass the time, Muriel began sightseeing along the coastline with the welcoming group. And they would run all over the place having adventures. She enjoyed bonfires with them and even met a potential suitor, a young man who became smitten with Muriel. One lazy Sunday afternoon, the group of vacationers came up with a fresh idea for adventure. They had already seen almost everything the small coastal town had to offer, but they had yet to visit the run-down, deserted lighthouse on the bluff. The new Yaquina Head Lighthouse had just been constructed a couple miles north, which meant the Yaquina Bay would be empty. It was practically begging them to visit. What harm could be done by taking a peek inside? The plan seemed innocent enough, but the group had no idea what was in store for them inside the walls of that forgotten old lighthouse. For one of the young adventure seekers was not going to make it out.
As the group of friends continue making their way to the Equinibe Lighthouse, they climbed a hill and navigated a narrow path surrounded by pine trees to get to the back of the house. From there, they walked along a brick pathway that led them to the front, passing by heaps of sand that had been piled up over time by the wind. Once inside, they walked by several rooms, the kitchen, and a pantry, then continued up the stairs, passing by an empty second level, and finally discovering a third floor. The stairway went on, Lishan writes, winding up to a small landing where a window looked out to northward, and from which a little room, evidently a linen closet, opened opposite the window. There was nothing particularly special about this linen closet, which contained only a few empty shelves and drawers. But when one of the boys brushed his arm across the decorative wainscoting, the wood fell off, exposing a three-by-three-foot piece of sheet metal. The strange discovery was startling to the group, especially to young Muriel Trevenard, who seemed intrigued. A boy standing near her removed the metal covering, and everyone peered inside a deep hole. Lishan writes, it went straight back some six or eight feet and then dropped abruptly into what seemed a soundless well. And there was a hole that went straight down into the bluff, way down, and they threw lighted bits of paper down it. Author and pop historian, Finn John. But they couldn't see the bottom and they couldn't figure out whether it even had a bottom. It was just a pit. And so then a fog came in and they all got all creeped out and decided to go. So they left. There was a heavy feeling of uneasiness as the children scattered out of the house and back down the hillside to their campsite. As they were leaving, Muriel said, oh, I forgot my handkerchief. I have to go back and get it. Ran back to the house Within minutes, the group of friends who were still outside heard screaming coming from inside the lighthouse. They frantically ran back in after Muriel, scouring the first level, room by room. But when they made it to the second floor, the group discovered something terrifying that stopped them in their tracks. A pool of warm, red blood. Lishan writes... There were blood drops in the hall and on the stairs that led up to the landing. And in the linen closet, they picked up a blood-stained handkerchief. But there was nothing else. The iron door had been replaced and the panel in the wainscot closed. And try as they might, they could not open it. Following an exhaustive search, there were no definitive answers about what happened to Muriel. Police never found her body or her assumed killer. And Muriel's father never returned from his voyage at sea to learn about his daughter's fate. After Lishan Miller's The Haunted Light was published in 1899, it spurred talk of whether Yaquina Bay was haunted and if the ghost of young Muriel Trevenard now walked the halls, and that legend would keep the lighthouse in the spotlight at just the right time. 
After being decommissioned in 1874, officials tried to sell the station, but received an offer so low they decided to keep it. For the next four decades, the lighthouse was used by the Army Corps of Engineers and Coast Guard as a lookout and living quarters for crews. But in 1933, the lighthouse was abandoned once more. By 1946, it was scheduled for demolition. When um, it got run down enough that the, you know that the state wanted to uh, wanted to demolish it, people literally formed a human chain around it to stop them from starting in on it. The plans to tear it down riled up people in Newport. Enough so, 26 people united to form the Lincoln County Historical Society. Their first mission was saving the Yaquinabay Lighthouse from demolition. So the Lincoln County Historical Society was actually formed specifically to preserve this, this structure. They wanted to save it. And of course, part of the reason they wanted to save it was because it had gotten so much attention from this ghost story that was apparently fiction. The group tried to get the lighthouse designated as a national monument and struggled to raise the $15,000 needed to repair the 80-year-old building. Local tax measures to raise money for restoration failed five times. Then, as demolition plans got underway in 1951, a wealthy industrialist from Ohio spearheaded efforts to get the lighthouse national recognition. His name was L.E. Warford, an Oregon native. His involvement in trying to salvage the lighthouse helped immensely. The Aquinabay Lighthouse was formally recognized as a historical site and spared from the wrecking ball. The Lincoln County Historical Society went on to lease the building and turned it into a county museum for nearly 20 years. In the 1970s, the lighthouse was restored and listed on the National Register of Historic Places. By the 1990s, crews relit the white light atop the structure and added a modern lens, illuminating the north end of the bay for the first time in 120 years. Sitting 161 feet above sea level, the beacon is visible for six miles. Today, the property is not just a working lighthouse, it's also a state park. It's maintained by Oregon State Parks, as well as volunteers from the Friends of Yaquina Lighthouses. They give tours of the building, which include an interpretive display and educational videos about the lighthouse's history. Of course, people always ask if the structure is haunted. They often inquire about the pool of blood outside the linen closet, as told in The Haunted Light. People still ask to see the blood stains upstairs. And some really do believe a young girl died in that lighthouse. Its legend has grown and grown and grown. A 1976 newspaper article published in the Oregon Statesman features an interview with a park ranger who said visitors only seem to want to know about the ghost of Muriel Trevenard. Everybody, old, young, it doesn't matter, insists on hearing all about Muriel's ghost, he said. The same article references strange footsteps heard by those who have dared to stay the night in the lighthouse. Like a man on a renovation crew, 
sleeping in an upstairs bedroom, who was startled by something eerie. He said, quote, by God, I damn near got up and left. There are also legends about ghostly appearances. Over the decades, others have reported seeing apparitions in the third floor windows or hearing screams at night. And all these ghostly occurrences bring us back to where it all began, in Lishan Miller's The Haunted Light at Newport-by-the-Sea. A piece of literary history, no doubt. But was it a work of fiction, or was it based on a true story? The, the big question about this story is, did Lishan Miller just make it up? Did, did she just sit down and say, okay, I'm gonna write a great ghost story uh, about this, this, this lighthouse, because that could easily have happened. As far as we know, Miller never spoke about the inspiration behind her work, forever leaving readers to draw their own wild conclusions. There's unanswered questions, there's little nuggets that, that are provable truth. Um, it, it, it lives in a specific spot in time. There are elements to it that seem just unlikely enough to ring true, um, it's really quite well done. And it really deserves the, its reputation as a possibly true story because it, it, she's done a, a fantastic job of making it feel like it could be true. At the end of The Haunted Light, Miller writes about the boy who had grown fond of Muriel Trevenard. It concludes with a cryptic reference about his own mysterious demise. Perhaps insinuating Muriel isn't alone as she haunts the Yaquina Bay Lighthouse. As time went by, the story was forgotten by all but those who joined in that weary search for the missing girl. But to this day it is said the blood stains are dark upon the floor in that upper chamber and one there was who carried the little handkerchief next his heart till the hour of his own tragic death. The end. <laughs> it's so good. On the next episode of Wicked West, he claimed to be Jesus in the flesh. And people, amazingly enough, believe him and, and follow him. A savior sent straight from God to offer salvation through a new religion. And when he's doing the preaching, the congregation is rolling on the ground, back and forth in excitement and passion. But in reality, Edmund Creffield was little more than a charlatan, a fraud who convinced respectable women to leave their husbands and children and join his church. Stories develop about Mr. Crepfield being uh, quite the Lothario and taking uh, liberties with many of the women in his congregation. What was dubbed one of Oregon's first known cults ripped families apart. Boy, this is a story. And divided a community. You've got sex, you've got murder, you've got, you've got everything. What a scandal it caused. That's next time on Wicked West. Special thanks to Finn John for his research and assistance with this episode about the Yaquinabe Lighthouse Ghost. To read his blog and learn more about his podcast, visit offbeatoregon.com.
Wicked West is a KGW and Vault Studios production. Please subscribe and leave us a rating or review. We have a lot more information about this series, including videos and pictures, on kgw.com slash wickedwest and on the KGW YouTube page. This show is written, produced, and hosted by me, Ashley Korslin. Our audio editor and co-producer is Zachary Carver. Our executive producer is John Tierney. The Vault Studios team includes Will Johnson, Reed Redmond, and Ian Hill. Original artwork by Jeff Patterson and videography by Ken McCormick and Nick Bieber. Digital media by Louisa Anderson and Celeste Ruiz. Marketing and promotion by Jennifer Woodruff, Randy Cobb, and Skylar Stever. Special thanks to KGW General Manager Steve Carter, News Director Greg Retsinas, and the entire KGW staff. If you like this show, check out our other series, Should Be Alive, Urge to Kill, and The Yellow Car, available wherever you listen to podcasts.